And we're live. Yo. Welcome to Voyage of the Geek with myself, Dave Scotland, Dan Miller. How you doing, Dave? We're all good. Um, Switch over to some viewage. Yep. We should quickly explain what we're drinking. Absolutely. I think. Very yes. important. Go right ahead. Glenn Grant. Does that work? I don't know if you can see it or not. Glenn Grant, single malt. Very nice stuff. It's it's, uh, it's a beautiful scotch. Mm. Very, very nice. Very civilised. So, As we been? like to be. Yes. You were saying. What have you been up to? Uh, way too busy. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I, I, when I said I took too much on, mm-hmm. absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. And I outsourced it and, um, and it just added to the stress. Because <laughs> now I've got to worry about someone else doing it. <laughs> now you got to worry about yeah. two things instead of one thing. <laughs> yep. Uh, um, so, yeah. That'll teach you for being enthusiastic. Hopefully I'll, I'm still around next week. And not being a, I don't know, boring couch potato. Um, That'll learn you. Do you want to lead off today? Yeah, for sure. Go for it, mate. Tell me what, you, uh, what you've been into of late. Um, what have I been into? Well, I'm still into some of the things that we are talking about last week. So last week we were talking about, um, okay, um, No Man's Sky. Yes. All right. So. Um, and last week specifically about um, some of the critique. Yeah. And, and the critique yeah. circles and some of the anomalies you've noticed. And some of the opinions, and this is what I'm finding quite interesting right at the moment. Um so, just a quick recap for those who don't know. No Man's Sky is a computer game, and it uh, came out just recently, as you know, as of this broadcast. Um, and it had a lot of hype associated with it, but it's an indie game. So, really, there is fifteen people who were making it, something like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, it had a lot of hype with it, and um, <laughs> it kind of promised the world, either accidentally or well, partially. Well, probably what happened is that they half promised the world and then everybody sort of, you know, imagined. Yeah, you know. yeah. I, I turned over a magazine in the staff room yeah. today and it, the front cover was No Man's Sky and it was 2014 magazine. Yeah, yeah, been in development. So it's been promising for a while yeah. too. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, there was this big sort of hype train and um, a lot of the comments from the developers, because indie, indie developer, and, and it was one of the guys who was developing it was also like the marketing person or whatever. And then he started getting roped into TV shows and he started, and I think what might have happened was, you know, he kind of started believing his own hype a little bit and, you know, the concept of feature creep. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know the concept of feature creep, which means that you can, <laughs> as you've already said at the start of this broadcast, yep. you can actually imagine your capacity. You, you you always exaggerate your capacity to do things. Yeah. And it always turns out that, no, you can't do that much stuff. Because most of the time you're not called on it. Yeah, yeah. You can get away with it yeah. for, for a while. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you put yourself in a position to get called on it more often than not, then you're in trouble. So there was all of this stuff and, um, and loads of hype started to build up about it. And, uh, and then when it came out, you know, just kind of didn't match up to, to a lot of the hype. And so, um, yeah, a lot of people extremely disappointed. 
Um, one of the things that I've taken away from it, which I think is is cool, is what what, what was there's a there's a saying. It's like, um, yeah, enthusiasm is the first step on the road to disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people got sort of hyper enthusiastic. So anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I've been going into. Um, and checking out a whole bunch of stuff about it. Last time we were talking about procedural stuff, and I want to go back to that. But really we ended up on Metacritic, and um, this is actually where I wanted to revolve around a bit today. Yep. Um, what's going on with Metacritic? Because uh, I started looking at Metacritic itself rather than some of the, the things that were on it. But before we do, I just wanted to – well, look, here's one of the things. Um, if we open up this – um, oh, sorry, that's a individual person I'm looking for. Um, yeah, No Man's Sky. Have I got it here? On Metacritic. Yeah, here we are. So now this is one of these bizarre features that we've kind of been talking about. We sort of saw this this thing happen in, uh, with Ghostbusters is mm. that all of the critics give a positive review and perhaps a mediocre review, but none of the critics give a negative review. Yeah. But the users are polarized into <laughs> with, love and hate. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. With yeah, there's there's no one on the fence. Yeah, yeah. There's basically no one on the fence. Um, and I've seen some really bizarre things. Some things I think are really funny. Yeah. There's some people that gave it a negative review. They were they were wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Clothing. Okay. So they gave it a ten. Yeah. But then they wrote the most negative review in the thing, just right. so that it appeared in the in the ten zone. And people were like, "Really, this is a horrible game. Don't buy it." But they gave it a ten. Yeah. So anyway, there's a bit of that going on. Um, so where I want to go is I want to actually review, read about three or four of the reviews, uh, and I've got a couple of them copy, copied out here because um, some of them are, are, are quite cool. So these are just um, positive res- reviews. So. Um, I want to just read out a couple of these and we'll see what, say, Harry Hood here has to say. So he's given it a 10. So he's given it maximum score. Um, so I'll just read it. Um, giving this game a bad rating because you expected something else is truly unfair to Hello Games. The developer has delivered on everything they promised, which is objectively not true. <laughs> but anyway, and has. And as someone who followed the game very closely for three years, it's exceeded my expectations thus far. So I suppose where I'm ultimately getting to is there's no accounting for taste. Yeah. Or how are we going to account for taste is really. Yeah. Um, this is a game more akin to a journey or Minecraft than it is to Battlefront or Call of Duty. Don't expect instant action all the times, at all times. This is a game for people who appreciate nuances and an ethereal experience that can be played for hours at a time. The game looks and feels amazing. People complaining about the field of view, did you ever think that maybe it was done to simulate the feeling of wearing a mask or helmet? Either way, this game has everything they said it would be, and now it's in my hands and I feel a sense of relief that it's everything I wanted it to be. Well, that's glowing. That is glowing. And, and again, you know how we're talking about the strange phenomenon of unpositive reviews. Yeah. Um, I think we could maybe need to think of a different name for this. Yeah. But definitely because I keep forgetting it. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we do. Yeah. Um, so if you got if you got any ideas, tell me. But 
Yeah, something that's quite amazing is that some people will say, you know, a bunch of things that are other people consider negative, but they consider them positive. You know, it's like if you're going to, I don't know, a restaurant or something or other, and, you know, the waiter took an hour and a half mm. and all the food, including the dessert, was covered in salt. Some people would say, took a bloody hour and a half, it was covered in salt. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and other people would say, it took an hour and a half for the waiter to come to us, which gave me and my friends plenty of time to clear our right. email inbox, mm. you know. And it was so <laughs> exhilarating to have that sharp, distinctive, almost unpalatable taste of salt in everything that was, you know. They, mm. And then those people tend to add on, and Gary the cook was a riot and yeah. we loved it. Every made jokes all night. Yep. So anyway, no, account, no accounting for taste. So I'm going to give you just a couple more. Um, actually, really, yeah. Anyway, so this is the second one. Um, okay, so it's also just, a ten. So this is also a ten, right? So this is this is a super positive one. Okay, so just want to be clear for a second: the people who are giving this game a bad review obviously do not know what the game actually is. Now, this is actually a rather telling statement, right? This is an exploration game, not whatever you want it to be. <laughs> By saying <laughs> that it's repetitive and boring, not. Then, then this game is not for you. It's a bit of an odd statement. Yeah. Sean Murray, that's the Hello Games guy, has said multiple times it's an exploration game, not a Star Citizen type game, uh, as some people claim. They expected it. Um, they expected in their review. This game is great, and people who truly know what this game is will know that it is a great game, and many of us cannot wait for it to be on PC. And a ton of people are complaining about the low FPS. Um, it is their first day and has actually been uh, – it is their first day and he's talking about a patch that will probably be released, mm -hmm. which is another slightly odd thing when you consider perhaps back in our day, games didn't need to be patched on day one. And couldn't be. And couldn't be, <laughs> and couldn't be <laughs> patched on day one. <laughs> it was on a disc and that yeah. was it. That was all you got. So anyway, he says it will probably be fixed soon. So please don't read all the bad views. If you like exploring games, um, then you know you're going to probably like this one. Okay, so I suppose it's 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 the what this game actually is is what we want to take away from what he said here. Yeah. And the last one that I've got here was well, actually second last one is very short one, but I just liked it because it's got a spelling mistake in it. Um, another ten, um, exceptional exploring game. I just spent four hours walking around the same planet. Listening to my favourite Pink Flood albums <laughs> whilst mining and selling resources. Outstanding. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so anyway, this guy's having fun and he's listening to Pink Flood. <laughs> Pink Flood. <laughs> Famous for the wharf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so those guys have got glowing positive review reviews. Now, what I want to do next is go back here yeah. and look at the most positive reviews. So this is... This guy here, mm. he's given it a 100. Yeah. And I just want to read his first sentence and possibly his second sentence. Yeah. Um, no game, film, book or otherwise has been more effective in capturing what the – oh, man, I can't read. Let me just zoom in a bit. There we go. Nice. Uh, film or book has other, or otherwise has been more effective in capturing what the experience of exploring the universe must be. So 
There's a little bit of hyperbole going on there, I think it's fair to say. No game, film or book or otherwise. But anyway, um, lonely, hostile. What are we – what's in the otherwise paddock once we take game, film or book? Oh, I don't know. Songs, interpretive dance, I'm uh-huh. not sure. Um, or any other way of, I don't know, radio play? Yeah, sure. Um, lonely, hostile and unforgiving. Hello Games um, effort works so hard to reject the convention on how games are made that it's easy to understand why people expecting something more traditional might come away disappointed. That's that's similar to some of the cons that we were seeing. That's almost a negative. Like they're in that one hundred out of a possible one hundred, yeah. he's still saying that there's something wrong with the game. Yeah, and, and also this is the other odd thing, that it, and a lot of people kind of say this, most people probably won't like this game, but I'm giving it 100. Now, perhaps it's okay if it's you personally doing your review, but as a critic review, yeah. most people from the, won't. From uh, digi- digitally downloaded yeah. is where that's from. So now it's time to put on our, um, our very... Um, Skeptical? Skeptical, yeah, yeah. Uncharitable hat. I never take it off. <laughs> this guy gives it a 100. Yep. <clears throat> Where does it appear on the page? There. Mm-hmm. So because he gave the review 100, this is my, unskepti- this is my uncharitable, mean, yes. uncharitable thing. Yep. Because he gave it 100, it appears right there. So if yep. you're looking at the page, yep. that's where you look first. Yep. And then you can click on, oh, what's this all about? And then when you click on this, you know, it takes you over to his website. Um, sorry. That's all these other reviews. It takes you over to his re- website. Uh-huh. So we were talking before about... Why are there no negative reviews? Well, yeah. if you have a look here, this is kind of weird. Don't you think that there's yeah, yeah. positive reviews going all the way down to negative? This one only goes down here, but I think on other games they do actually put negative critic reviews down here, but because there are none. Yeah. But still they appear at the bottom of the list, the negative yeah. critics' reviews, and the positive ones appear at the top of the list. Yep. I'm starting to see your uh, theory emerge. <laughs> that there's something going on here. So you could imagine that, you know, maybe maybe the guy's being honest, maybe he's not being honest, but, I mean, let's assume that he is being honest. Yeah. But it's, you know, there's this might be this sort of positive reinforcement that every time he gives it a glowing report, yeah, suddenly yeah. gets lots of people turning up at his thing. And Absolutely. he might not know why. Yeah. Yeah. The next thing that I want to do is actually go and look at this guy's review. I'm not going to read it out because it's, it's yeah. gigantic and uber long. Wow. <laughs> look at that. That's a commitment. It's epic. It's epic long, right? I do th- oh, this. Is that a diagram? Yes, he's actually given a diagram. Wow. Okay, so just make sure that everybody at home can kind of on the internet can see this. Um, so yeah, that that works well. So this is his last paragraph. No game, film, or book, or whether it's been been more effective in capturing the experience of exploring the universe. So that's his last paragraph. So somehow his very last paragraph and his five stars here ended up here on Metacritic. Yep. How that happened, I don't quite know. We, we can probably go and look into their their things, but there's somebody sitting somewhere behind a PC that's yeah. typed into Google 
reviews of, and that's their job. Yeah. And you copy, yeah. paste, Metacritic, done. Yeah. I imagine something like it, that. It could even be a bot. Well, I don't know how a bot would pick up that there's five stars in this image. Yeah, and it's distinctly an image too. It's maybe they're hooked into some Metacritic sign up and join our Metacritic. Well, the, the app. PNG's called five stars. Did you see it when you where 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 roll your mouse over it? PNG's called five stars. Oh, is oh yeah right. Well, that's the only thing. Otherwise, it's just a random. I don't know. It's you can search by an image now on Google. Like you can hold an image up and say, "Go and find images that look like this." You'd have to have. An, I, I mean, don't know. You can imagine the diversity of. Of websites, yeah, right? Yeah. I imagine it's probably just some person who's employed for this. Am, am I giving Google too much credit? Well. Probably. Probably. Well, I could be. I would be surprised if they had a system that was that awesome that could do that. Anyway. The other cool thing about his, his thing, though, is he's given this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. So he's gone innovation versus classical. Yep. Because you can't be both. Yep. And entertaining versus Thoughtful. 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 Which is an odd polarisation, right? If if something's entertaining, it can't be thoughtful. It's a character trait, isn't it? <laughs> like someone can be thoughtful. Mm-hmm. He's a thoughtful yeah, yep, cousin. Yep, yep. Um, I don't know whether a game can be thoughtful. Maybe it means thought-provoking. Let's, but a puzzle game. Is it, be- worth, is it worth me looking at the definition of thoughtful? Might as well. Bring it up. Thoughtful, uh-huh. absorbed in or involving thought. Can't be a computer. <laughs> it's got to involve thought. Showing consideration for the needs So of hang on, what do you mean people. can't be a computer? Well, computers don't think. But what's thoughtful is his experience is what he's saying. Entertaining versus thoughtful. Inno- well, well, that's what I think he's saying. We're saying it's an innovative game versus a classical game. It's an entertaining game versus a thoughtful game. Well, it can't be a thoughtful game. Like a game is totally uh, devoid of thought. Like it just does what you tell it to do. In fact, by definition, it has no thought. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) It's a calculator. It's a calculator, exactly. There's thought in the code, the person that writes the code, and that's where I'll – that's as far as I'll take it. (laughs) But I do like his little thing here. I like I like the I way like classic it, right? and innovative can't be the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit weird. There was some innovative uh, classic shit still that you can jump into. It's a bit weird that there's polar opposites like that. And I don't think, yes, these are true dichotomies, right? Yeah, it's interesting. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but what I do like is that it's better than 100 because 100 is even less information yeah. Than this thing, yeah. Even though it's slightly confusing, we don't know what thoughtful means. Yeah, and he's put it in the gamma quadrant. <laughs> yeah, it's d- deep in the gamma quadrant. Um, yeah, he's interesting. Um, I wanted to bring up a couple of other points that somebody else picked up on the <laughs> unposit. Oh, this is this is also he's getting a lot of he's getting a lot of shit from people in the in the comment section, right? Because he's a like, hundred. Yeah, yeah, he's got a okay. hundred, and yet <laughs> he's got this mass hyperbole bullshit going on, right? <laughs> yeah, and. I don't know. I, I'm not judging the guy, mm. but his response when somebody gives him a shit response, he yeah, says, yeah, yeah. "What the hell are you doing, you fucking idiot?" <laughs> he responds with an anime picture. Okay, he just posts up a little cute yeah. anime picture, yeah. which I think is actually 
I don't know. <laughs> so, than- so is that how we tell when <laughs> the really bad um, thing yeah, is yeah, that he's responding? Yeah. Because there'll be an anime <laughs> yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah that's going. right. Which I think is good. It's better than saying, well, fuck you then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, instead he just says, have some cheesy anime. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I reckon that's good. Yeah, there's another one. There's more of them. They're, they're all up and down here. In fact, people give him shit for just posting anime. Not actually. Anyway, there's... um. There's another one of these um, these responses here, which again picks up on our um, you know our unpositive review thing. Um, yeah, so here 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 the guy is sort of complaining about about this. Uh, to me, this is not a critic review. You know, this is just your opinion, man. This is just your opinion, man. <laughs> um, and you know, so he's complaining about. It's about, not called meta opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not called meta opinion. That's right. That's Love what it. what the guy says. And he also says here, you yourself pointed out flaws with this product, the fact that some people may may be disappointed with the content for sixty bucks. Yeah. And then you know, as he says here, you still gave it a hundred percent. Yep, and so the guy, he, yeah, he, he gives a bit of a response here. Have you have you noticed? And I haven't looked that hard, but there could be a correlation since since the internet has provided a voice for any man, woman, and child mm-hmm. on the planet. Um, now, like you have the ability to be a critic, mm-hmm. so you critique. Mm-hmm. Before mm-hmm. we had the ability to be a critic, I know, yeah, we just accepted the opinions. Remember the guys that used to wheel out to give you the opinions of the latest films, even David and Margaret. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. We just accept their opinion. We know they differ. We know they have an opinion, but mm-hmm. we accept it, mm. and we don't question it. Mm-hmm. But yet, we've looked uh, over the last um, couple of shows, and this theme keeps coming up mm. that every man and his dog now has a voice. And because they've got a voice, they speak. Yeah, yeah. One of the people that I was watching um, gave a slightly more nuanced, a deeper thing about that is that there are two types of people who can speak. There are people who own a website or a YouTube channel, <laughs> right, and they can speak yeah. and be heard. Yes. And then there's another group of people which are the people who respond in the comments sections yeah. of those. And yeah. that's, So there's two layers to that. Yeah. So it's really interesting. They're the... Uh they're all, they're the pedestrians. Yeah, they don't have as much of a voice, but they can still, yeah. you know, vent or yeah. or fanboy or whatever it is they want to do. Yeah. All right. So now I, <laughs> yeah, yes. <Ben. laughs> all the images, love it. I love it. So mm. next thing that I wanted to just quickly discuss is give this guy his um his day in court, right? So we've already kind of heard that somebody was complaining that he found negative things in there and he still liked it. So what the hell did the guys like? What did he like about this? Yeah. And it's very similar to those other guys that, that we, we read out. Mm. Um, and this guy is taking it from an, a very highly art perspective, mm. all right? Uh, so you know what he liked about it? Inside here somewhere is the word, you know, existential nihilism. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> One side of my brain just went to sleep, and it was just automatically triggered. 
Some people say no gameplay that's boring <laughs> and other people appreciate existential nihilism. Yeah. This is what I was saying before about this. <laughs> that dinner was the most salty thing I'd ever eaten yeah. and whilst it caused my nose to wrinkle, I had a great time and give yeah. this restaurant 10 out of 10. <laughs> so, yeah, his existential nihilism. So what he liked about the game that was worth 10 out of 10 was the fact that you were alone. And deep, this is what he says down at the bottom here. No other game has made me feel so alone, <laughs> you know, so darkly nihilistic with nothing to do. <laughs> I'm giving the negative spin, right? But he gives a positive spin. Yeah. With nothing to do in the depths of unknown loneliness, you know. Mm. And so he was like, yeah, 10 out of 10. So that's awesome. <laughs> This is because other people are complaining yeah. about. There's no gameplay and you yeah. can't do it. There's nothing to do it. It's repetitive and it's there's no point to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he's like, yes, there's no point. But mm. that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> the, the point is that there's no point. And the 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 article exists only because an article needed to exist. Well, you can be super cynical. I don't know. Um, I don't know. He comes off as fairly genuine and he was kind of, I don't know, he seems like, yeah, this is like, mm. yeah, this is like a presentation of true relative of this. So it could be, the article could be, could be legit, but he's used some kind of algorithmic-based approach to getting his story to the top of the, top of the pile. Well. Which has been a long, um, that's a struggle that journos have, starting out, mm -hmm. have had for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, and he could I don't know. This guy could be could have been a journo for forty years. I might be speaking completely out of church, but if it is someone starting out, that's the sort of angle you're looking for, isn't it? You've mm. got to try to those. You, and if and maybe only for a fleeting moment, that system has to work until someone realizes, oh, okay, well now we've got to randomize them, or you've got to provide all three lists, you know, middle, top, yeah, yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. You've got to do something because it's corruptible the way it is at the moment. Exactly. But People can play that game. Yeah. Yeah. But he's potentially worked out a way to work in his favour. Mm. Yeah. And, and and I'd also like to highlight that he doesn't have to be doing this. Um, he doesn't have to be doing this as like a conspiracy. It can happen by accident. It yeah. can just be that yeah. he writes this glowing review and then suddenly loads of people turn up and he thinks, and he writes yeah. another glowing review and yeah. more people turn up. He's no idea of the mechanism or how it works. It's just... Yeah. Every time he gives a fantastic to review to some crappy game, yeah. all these people turn up to his website. Absolutely. You know? <clears throat> someone someone cooked an egg at some point. Someone said, I'm going to eat what comes out of that duck's ass. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. someone, yeah. there's always a first. The first person to have an right. oyster. That's yeah, yeah. My, my similar <laughs> thing. He was the first idiot. He must be that's so it. fucking hungry. That's it. And hope it wasn't the same guy, that, the first guy that made the first donut or something like that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I absolutely get what you mean. You can fluke it. You can definitely fluke it. But twice is enough for you to know that it's not a fluke. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the second time. Is well, look, much this, much more likely that it's a deliberate act of. This is why, and this is a complete tangent, betrayal. It's a complete change. That's why things come in threes. Uh -huh. You know, when you tell a joke, it always has three. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, you got to have the the meat in. The, the reason is that the first time you know a duck walks into the into the pub, the first time is like could be an accident. 
Yeah. The second time, it could be an accident or it could be a mm. part of a pattern. And the third time, it's like, well, that's a pattern. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I got one last place to go just before we finish. <clears throat> um, now, all of this stuff reminded me of blue poles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the way that's, that's you, you said that phrase last week with the same disdain. <laughs> <laughs> It's is- guarded disdain. It's, it's not poisonous disdain. It's it's guarded disdain. Okay, so for those who who, who don't know, and and I'm going to take us somewhere here. For those who don't know, this is blue poles, and this is a million copies of blue poles. So it's a a Jackson Pollock painting. Click click on this one and and bring a bit of yeah. Okay, so it's a Jackson Pollock painting. And there we go. That's blue poles, and it's about. I'm going to say six meters. Yeah, it's huge. It's, long, it's very big, and about three or four meters high. About three, maybe four meters high. Yeah, cost the Australian government four million. It's something like that, in right? Mid eighties, right? Millions of dollars. So, yeah. Um, um, so I've got here. Um, <laughs> this is an article just for us to give us some context <laughs> from 1974 or whatever. You know, who would pay for this? One point <laughs> three million. <laughs> You know, this is an article from what is it? Where, can you see the date? Seventy three, nineteen seventy three. Yeah, right. One point three million, and somewhere in here it says this was made by drunks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what idiot would pay one point three? Yeah. Now, one of the responses that people give is, "Well, you bunch of idiots who didn't like the fact that we paid one point three million, it's now worth twenty million. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, but it doesn't make it better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. It's exactly right. Anyway. Okay, so we're still thinking about the the the, the guy that likes the existential nihilism angle of the mm. of the um, no man's sky. Yep. And so that's what made me think of blue poles, this abstract expressionist thing. So um I then started to have a look a bit in, into it, and there's this art critic dude who's got an article. Firstly, one about Jackson Pollock and blue poles. Yeah, um, specifically responded to the to the idea that they paid one point three million for this, and a, you know, my kindergarten kid could do better than that. And so his response down here is um, three questions not to ask about art, and four to ask instead. Yeah. Okay. So this is where I wanted to end tonight. Okay, so we'll just quickly, very quickly, just take a look at what his article looks like. It's a big article here. Um, you know, so these are, these are his questions. So he's got some, some this is the, where he's trying to explain, this is the scream. He's trying to explain abstract expressionism where he's saying that they're painting an emotion. They're not painting a representation a of bridge. what yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a representation yeah. and the other argument that he's kind of bringing up in here is music's a bit like that you know music doesn't you music doesn't have a it doesn't represent anything it's just a song you know maybe a pop song it talks about i love this or i love that but yeah. if it's just a piece of music by itself it doesn't represent anything that's what he's saying <clears throat> i don't I, would, I couldn't agree that it doesn't represent anything it can. It can. No, no, no. I so, say, yeah, I'm too hard there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but often it doesn't. But sometimes it does. It's, it's trying to tell some specific story. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. A piece of music is trying to. Yeah. Trying to oh, yeah. But music can easily. Without lyrics. Without lyrics, we're talking without. If it's li- just music. Just then music. You're right. You're yeah. right. It had, would have to be interpreted by the individual and given meaning. Right. It doesn't carry it. Um, all right. 
And one important thing to say is that a piece of music without lyrics and blue poles, they don't carry with them their own context. No. Which is really a key factor, right? Yeah. Because if you have a picture of a truck that's meant to be a picture of a truck, mm. that carries with it its own context. And you can sort of look at the picture of the truck and say, that's a picture of a truck. Yeah. And I know why a person took a photo of that because they wouldn't have a photo of a truck because a picture of a truck. Yep. Right? But whereas you see this, you know, you might mm. be saying, hmm, what's some idiot made that with his crayons? Mm. Right? Okay, so here is his, um, his things not to ask. Why is this art? <clears throat> and his, um, his, his sort of answer to this is going to be that art doesn't have to be what you expect it to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. There are different styles of music, different styles of images, different <clears throat> styles of all sorts of different type of things. So if yeah. you're asking why is it art, yeah. that's probably not the right question to ask is what he's, what he's saying. It potentially is a statement about the person asking the question and their perception of the world. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now if you go back to those, those also start to remember those um, initial um, – those reviews for those positive reviews oh, yeah, from yeah. those people. Yeah. This is kind of some of the things that they were saying. Mm. People who don't like this game don't know what it is. Yeah. Right? How about friendly negative review? What do you mean friendly negative review? Where we were looking for a name for the unpopular. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. A friendly, a friendly ne negative. Yeah, yeah. Review. No, no, that's a good thought. Okay. Yeah. Remember that. Yep. What is it meant to be? So we've already discussed that. That's yeah. He's saying it's the wrong question because yeah. some of the things, like a piece of music, is not meant to be anything. It's, yeah. It is what it is, yeah. you know, is what he's saying. Yeah. Um, my four-year-old could do better than that, couldn't they? Mm. Mm. I think um, in a lot of ways um, Blue Poles is like the perfect storm of all of these things yep. added together. Yep. And you're, <clears throat> you're, you've crashed into the, uh, into the jungle that is artist versus artiste. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I consider myself as an artist. Yeah. I, I'm nowhere near talented enough to be an artiste, right? Because the one thing I recognise about being an artiste is it goes beyond the palette. It goes beyond the medium mm. and exists in a, a vacuum, for, for want of a better word. No, you're right. Where there's a society around it. There's yes. a, There's a yeah, forum right. of believers and yes. and um, owners yes. and and stewards yeah. of it yeah. worldwide. They've been around for a long, long time. Mm. Sometimes they shun and put baby in the closet, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you can't fight it off, you know, if innovation comes through, you know, the, when photography was around, the artists got pissed and when, you know what I mean, the digital and then the old, it, it, it'll always keep happening. But that world that exists around the artiste, mm -hmm. I don't like, I've never liked, I've never been part of because there's too many moving parts. I would prefer that if somebody needs a castle on a hill to help tell a story about a king, mm. I would prefer that I can create a castle on a hill and when someone sees it, they see a castle on the hill. It carries its own meaning within its- And get paid. <laughs> and get paid, yes, of course. <laughs> so where it, it, it is lacking in context is where we start getting into the- into the crappy territory, I reckon. Yeah. I was thinking about. Um, it's a pity that it's so full of pretentious entities. In some ways, which it needs because you got it. That's artists what I was to say. need to be sponsored. They need to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Collections are how they make their money. Well, mm. you can't have a collection if you haven't got a crowd. Mm. 
you know what I mean? And that crowd has to be the right makeup for your for your stuff to have worth. Yeah, yeah. And, and only a small group of people, then it appeals to only a small and you get that pretentious thing. Which is okay as long as they're all rich. You know what I mean? Like mm. if the wealth, average wealth is higher, then the artiste still makes the same amount of money as we do in these mass media carpet bombing, mm-hmm. um, visual effects driven things that we're used to. Yeah. That's our art. Mm. But yeah. I, yeah. It, I've got to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Almost done. Um, I was just thinking of this in terms of um, also Metallica sprang to mind, Master of Puppets. <laughs> so you know Master of Puppets, no, right? No. You don't? No, no, I'm not. I haven't had much to do with Metallica. Oh, okay. All right. Master of Puppets. So if you listen to Master of Puppets, it's this big, bangy, crashy, noisy thing, mm. and people could say, why the fuck is that art? Mm. They're just yelling into their goddamn microphones yeah, like yeah. big lunatics. <laughs> and then another person can say, what the hell is that meant to be? Master of Puppets? What, it's about puppets? This is fucking ridiculous, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you could say, a four-year-old could be banging on drums better than that. Yeah. But if you go and read the lyrics to Master of Puppets, mm-hmm. that heroin addiction, Master of Puppets pulling your strings, yep. you know, your life burns faster, you know, cut your breakfast on a mirror, you know, it's talk- that's talking about heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. And so th- my point here is that, Within Master, if you actually just take Master of Puppets by itself, the song by itself, and read the lyrics, you can understand what it's about. And that's what you can't do with Blue Poles. Yeah, no. Or music without lyrics. Or music without lyrics. So you've got to be a bit careful, you know, where you're going to. Anyway, so this is what this guy says. This is what you should ask about art. Yep. What can I see or what can I perceive just by looking at this work? So, okay, we. You know, perceive it. Yep. Um, how was this artwork artwork actually made? So a technical question of the construction. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, and you can think about No Man's Sky, right, as well. Yeah, yeah. We, We're talking about this, right? Yep. When was it made and what was happening in the art broader history at the time? Well, it doesn't have to be art history, but it could be yeah, the yeah. genre history yep. at the time. And what and what did the artist create this work? Oh, why did the artist create this work? And what is its meaning to them and to us now? This one I sort of have a little bit of a problem with because without Google, you're never going to know why. Yeah, you can't say why. Well, you're never going to know why Jackson Pol- if you just saw the Pollock blue poles, you're never going to know why he, he. Yeah. Why you'll never know the right. No, you can't answer. ask why. Why has to come in a narrative form. Mm. written or spoken, mm. right, and not even imagery or iconography can even accurately get it. Like you've got to have the from the horse's mouth. You'll have to have some backup research. Yeah, otherwise it's just specula- speculation. Yeah, that's right. The when, <clears throat> yes, because, yes, that can be carbon dated and mm-hmm. you can actually prove that. The how, absolutely, and what I can see, what can I see just by looking at the piece. So that's this a is description. Good. That's this a is description. good. I, yeah. I like this. The thing that I, I like it as well, yeah. um, and and so I'm, I'm now thinking just as you know, as a better way for Metacritic, instead of giving it a 100, yeah, you know, you actually start giving it break it down, yeah, yeah, you actually start, into into good critic, yeah, yeah, explaining what it is, yeah, you know, I like um, that. But unfortunately, then that starts to devoid of opinion. A lot of this isn't very opinionated, right? No. Right. No. And it's just although a the first one, most people will spend ninety percent of their time. With the first one? Yeah. And then these are bullet points. 
Possibly, They'll yeah. put them at the bottom with the bullet yeah. points because this is a way, an easy way to get an opinion out of someone. Yeah. What can you see? Yeah. I'll tell you what I can see. <laughs> <laughs> a shit bunch of blue poles on a frigging canvas. Yeah, yeah. A million dollars. Absolutely. Completely infected by the politics of the day <laughs> yeah. or, the, <laughs> or the day I've had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. And I definitely see the difference between this and the, the other ones that you had there. Mm. Yeah, I like this. I like this. Those – Here's my spiel that talks to this. Um, Any piece of art, right, that requires a a subtext, a a byline to be written underneath it Mm. or a description paragraph, or a guy standing there telling you, or a set of headphones in the in the uh, in the at the art gallery where they uh-huh. tell you what yeah, the artist yeah. and it was his post model. Yeah, 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 blah blah. If if you cannot just look at it mm-hmm. and understand what the artist wanted you to see mm-hmm. by look by just looking at it, mm-hmm. then there's a problem to me. I think that there's a problem there. I, I, I don't see it exactly as a problem, <clears throat> but I see that as a clear distinction that there's one category of things that you can identify what they are yeah. from what, you know, from themselves. They're yeah. self-contained. Yeah. And then there's another category of things where you have to go out elsewhere to mm. try and get a more accurate opinion of yeah. what it is. Well, you and I do a show, mm. and when I talk on this show, <clears throat> I'm doing it because I've made a deal at some point that what I'm about to do is contribute half of my responsibility to a conversation. Mm-hmm. If I remove you, mm-hmm. then all I do is make statements, mm-hmm. and they're my statements, mm-hmm. and I'm un- they're un- un- and I get nothing back at all, mm-hmm. and I don't care, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, I'd have somebody there. Mm-hmm. I'd have, you know what I mean? I wouldn't yeah. do it that way. Um, it's the, you know, you get is it Hannity and Bill O'Reilly uh-huh. and those guys, yeah, right? yeah. They don't care what you think. Yeah. Anyone. They don't care what anyone thinks. That's an artiste, most of them that I've met. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care what you think. They just don't care what you think about their art. They're not doing it for that. Yeah, yeah. Now, when I go into a studio environment to create my art, mm-hmm. I care 1,000% what you think. Mm-hmm. I don't actually put myself... Like I don't even rate a percent on the care scale. Mm-hmm. Everyone is more important than my opinion of my work. It's a it's flipped on its head. It's a total flip on its head. Yeah, yeah. Because you care about you know wanting people to you know like and enjoy the work and and I that's care about the people, reaction that you're trying to get from people. Uh, well, I care about the message. Yeah. Being read correctly. Yeah, yeah. That's and in narrative, that's critical. Mm-hmm. If the shadow falls the wrong way and it sends the wrong message, then mm-hmm. then, we're, then they're not going to be looking at this stuff over here that's important. Mm-hmm. Everything we do is there for a message purpose. It's mm-hmm. telling the audience something. Good otherwise, focus. Yeah, otherwise we don't put it in the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so receiving the message correctly, to me, that's the critical thing. I've seen students with great ideas for films, but they don't understand that it's a conversation that you have to get confirmation. Mm-hmm. You have to be aware that there's someone else in it. 
Mm-hmm. They, they come up with ideas sometimes. It's just an in joke with them, yeah, with yeah, them yeah, and a, yeah. two or three of their mates. It's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing, man? Yeah. Like the audience, you can't have a conversation with the audience when mm. you ignore them completely mm. and it's just between you and your mate. Yeah, yeah. Only you two guys are going to find that funny yeah. or interesting or whatever. Yeah. All right. So that's that's me done. That's me done for this for the uh, this time around, and once again, No Man's Sky has really been a a vehicle to explore some of this critic um, behavior and and some of the stuff because it's such. I believe it's 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 such a big space that didn't exist before, mm-hmm. and so it's really interesting. It's quite compelling to, mm. to look into it. All right, I uh, last week showed. Um, showed you a list, and it was actually two lists done by the Hollywood Reporter. Three of their critics slash reporters. I think they were. I didn't look into it. I know it was the same three mm-hmm. that gave us a list of all the DC um, comic book universe movies um, against, and then another list was the Marvel ones. And I just put them side by side, and we went down them and, mm. and had a bit of a look. Well, we came across this one early on. This was. This is Captain America. Yes. Um, but not like you've ever seen him before. Uh, this is 1990 Captain America. And I mentioned last week that this gentleman here I was going to have a bit of a look at. Now, it looks like Menahem. It's Menahem. 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 He's a Jewish gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, but while we had this up, because I didn't know much about it, I thought, well, we'll have a little, we'll have a little peek. Mm-hmm. Now, this guy here... I don't know who the hell he is, but there's some big players in in this. That's Ned Beatty that's in this film. Who's Ned Beatty? Uh, Ned Beatty is this gentleman. Ah, yeah, he's been in a lot of Of films. He was very famous in the um, in Skippy, I'm sure, and in the. uh, I'm not sure about Skippy. Um, (laughs) I'm sure he was. He he might have been actually. Um, (laughs) He was in the Superman um, two. Was he? I think. Might have been three when they started to get a bit silly. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been around for a long time. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And this guy was in it, guy from Beverly Hills Cop, oh, you know, the, the yeah. uptight lieutenant. Um, when I saw his name in the credits, it said Ronnie Cox. And I thought, I swear that guy's a musician. But then I realised I'd got Ronnie Size mixed up with Carl Cox and just merged <laughs> them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't this guy. But, yeah, there was a few people you could see. He's been in Beverly Hills Cop. He was oh, in Total yeah, Recall. Yeah, yeah that's right. Robocop. Like- yeah, he was. He always plays a jerk. Yeah, he was the guy in, in charge of the yeah, yeah, some Robocop corporate, company. Yeah, corporate jerk. Um, so yeah, there was a couple of big names in this film, um, and it was. Uh, I won't play the trailer. Uh, I might later on. We'll see. We'll see how we go. Um, but where this uh, became interesting is it was only recently that I saw a documentary, which we'll get to in a moment, on this guy here, mm. Menachem. Golan, and he has a he has uh, he has an incredible history in mm-hmm. in Hollywood, right? Not really for all the right reasons. <laughs> okay, um, Menachem Golan and his cousin Yoram Globus. Okay, they were making films in Israel in right. the uh, in the sixties, uh-huh. and quite successfully, mainly because of how they made them fast. They made them quick, yep, super fast, super efficient, and 
it was a it was a partnership made in heaven because you've got uh, Globus who was the money man mm-hmm. he ran the business and Menachem was the director he was right. the creative okay. super flamboyant yep uh, bigger than life flamboyant and um, really quite successful even before they even left um, Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. So in the late 70s, they bought a company that was going under, a film production company. Mm -hmm. It was called Canon. Mm, It was the Canon Media Group, right? They paid 500,000 for it and then proceeded to just rock the socks off of Hollywood Mm -hmm. and turn out – Anywhere between a dozen and twenty films a year. That's crazy. Isn't the two it? of them, yeah. Uh, it, he would direct some of them, but he, they would get directors in, and um, and yeah, very very prolific um, movie makers. Now, and you might think, where are all these films? Well, these are the films, um, and I won't look at this list as much as show you the uh, the depth of it. These are all the films that they're attributed to. Holy doodly. Yeah. That that uh Canon the Canon filmography, right? But what they Chuck did Norris is Gale. yeah, they they were one of the first ones to actually oh, Charles Bronson, oh, Death Wish. Yeah, yeah. They they I used to if a script came into the office, they'd say Which Charlie Norris. Uh, what do you mean? Bronson. They're both Ch- Charlie Chuck Norris is Charlie. Is Chuck a short oh, yeah, for Charlie? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So both of their heroes of the, at the of the moment <laughs> were both Charlies, and if one of them didn't suit the script, the other one would. Okay, yep. Um, Chuck Norris being more the goody goody two shoes yeah, sort yeah, of guy, yeah, yeah. and Char- and he's the anti- and Bronson's the antihero. So they were the, some of the early. They were the guys that sort of realised the importance of getting a, a star. Mm-hmm looking after that one person and then just putting a whole bunch of productions around that person. Mm. And that was the 80s, mm. right? So, Hang on. so these go from 82 through to 94. Wow. Okay. Those, those ones, yeah, yeah. Most of them are oh, sort of early 80s yeah, yeah, yeah. to late 80s. The company was bankrupt and broke by 93. Right. So right. it looks like a lot of intensity, yeah, in those early 80s. Yeah. They went crazy. Um, so if we look at if we look at it like this with the pretty with the pretty pictures, it starts to make a little bit more uh, impact because you'll recognise some of these, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. American Ninja. Yep. Um, oh, I'll have a. I've got this cool thing I'll show you in a minute about the. They used to just sh- shove America in front of something. <laughs> Whatever the trend was, right? If it was ninjas or samurais or it was whatever, it was American. They just put an American in front of it and called it, and that was the film. That's that's quite. These guys are from Israel. They were, but they stick America in front of their titles because yeah. is that their market? They're in the business of making money, and and they were making Hollywood films. If I had to talk about um, stereotypes, yeah. I would suggest that it would be our American cousins who are sticking America in front of everything. Absolutely, and these are the, these were the worst culprits um, <laughs> because it sold. But even um, invaders from Mars. Um, this he did a couple of uh, Stallone movies. In fact, it was the the um, the Canon Media Group that actually signed Stallone to do the over the top movie, which was an arm wrestling film. 
Oh, he was a truck driver and, and he wanted to get his kid um, back off the wife or something like that and the only way he could do was win the big, cha- the big championship. Um, but that pretty much sums up a lot of the films that came out of this stable. So what we're doing here is- Hang on, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Two. Oh, two. Okay. All right. <laughs> that was the other All thing. Right. <laughs> if it doesn't have American in the name, it's got a number in it. Oh, okay, okay. Because um, they also bought Superman um, 4. Right. Okay. And they did Superman 5, uh-huh. two of the worst films in, in <laughs> living memory. Um, we should plot this out at a graph, actually, sort of up and it's down. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. He also did the Hercules movies with um, Lou Ferrino. Yeah. Uh, now, those movies, there's an Australian film, right? Uh-huh. They've obviously secured the rights to one of those films mm-hmm. and then they've voiced over it. And, the, and the, the, the way the movie premise goes is that they are three friends find out that the local cinema is closing and going to be demolished and so they have to try to save the cinema. So they put all their money in it, they rebuild it and on opening night they're showing the same film that showed – on opening night when it first opened. Okay. Which is this Hercules movie. Okay. But what happens is something happens to the film or something and they realise when the house is full mm-hmm. that there's no audio track. Uh, okay. And okay. so these three, and they're, they're all comedians and Australian actors, these uh-huh. three guys. Bruce Spence, I think, is one of them. You know, the, um, the chopper uh, guy yeah, from yeah, Mad yeah, Max, yeah, yeah, Bruce yeah. Spence. Yep. He's one of them. Mm-hmm. And the girl that used to play Effie, on Acropolis now. Okay. Gina Caritas, I think. Uh, oh, no, it's not Gina Caritas. But yeah, yeah, the girl who used to play Effie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the other one. And so what they do is they revoice over the film mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. But that's the movie is about that, ah, right? Cool. And they've taken the, I've, I've got to, I'll bring in a snippet next week. It's absolutely hilarious. That sounds awesome. But all of these barbarian type films, they're just cashing in. So. <sighs> Um, they, this is a cash in on Conan, um, and they just they're copying the stuff that's being done the at a high. Terminated too. I can remember yeah, yeah, these yeah. movies, man. Yeah, man. Some of them I used to stay up, you know, at t- till really late at night. Yeah. You know, the parents had gone to bed as when I was like, when absolutely. I was a kid. And there'd be all of these this, this smorgasbord of things yeah. that had come on at one o'clock in the B morning movies. or two o'clock. TV could afford them. I used to love love watching those. Awesome, huh? Um, so if we were to look at the film list, you can see that it goes on and on. There's got these are all the ninja related ones. Oh, the other boy in the stable was Van Damme. Oh, right, right, right. Van Damme was discovered by this guy, uh-huh. uh, Man- sitting in a in a restaurant in France, uh-huh. and the waiter comes in with two bowls of soup. Okay, and he said, Manaham. and he recognised him. He said, "You like this?" And he proceeded to kick. Over the guy's over his head while sitting at the table without okay. spilling the soup, <laughs> and um, he saw him for a meeting the next day. He said, "You come and see me tomorrow." And he comes and sees him, and he begs his way in. And at one point, Manahm Golan yells out to his receptionist, "Bring me blood sport." Like okay, talking yeah, about yeah, a script, okay, okay. and he said, "I'm going to make you a star." And he does. He <laughs> literally turns him into a superstar. Wow, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, it, this movie here set a, a record. <laughs> yeah, it set a record for the amount of money one person made for making a film. Mm. It was um, I think it turned out to be eleven or twelve million dollars or something like that. And wow. in in eighty seven, man, that's a lot of money. That's so much like what the, the the sort of film industry is. It's it's this big gambling thing, right? Yeah. You know, you could just gotta just keep 
dishing them out until yeah. one pays for all the rest. Yeah. You know, anyway, yeah. I saw a little snippet. I didn't I'm, – I'm not going to show it to you, but I saw it this afternoon because it was pretty poor quality, but it was an interview with um, uh, with Menachem Golan, and he's he passed away a couple of years ago. And um, in this interview, he was asked, how do you secure an actor, and um, like a big Hollywood actor? And he said, money, money. It's all you have ever need is money. He said, I go to them. I say, if I give you $7 million, will you come and do my film? Yes, I'll do that. Okay. And then I go and find the $7 million because getting the money is easy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's getting the project, you know, getting the person um, that will suit the project uh-huh. and then take the money. Uh-huh. He said, American actors, you just buy them. Mm. They're just a commodity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he probably felt that way. Um, so – this, thanks to the uh, the crazy campers over at Cracked, <laughs> this is a good movies and their Canon picture counterparts. Counterparts? Because Canon is now a dirty word. When we were growing up, we didn't notice anything different. They just all seemed like these are the vi- videos that were on the shelves in the video shops, yeah, you know, yeah, for yeah, hire. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when we saw Cobra, mm-hmm. you know, or, or – um, or Firewalker or any of these sorts of things, they weren't crazy. We mm. weren't, we weren't, you know. But now it's become a bit dirty. It's a bit sort of, oh, really? Hang, Hang on, so it? Dirty Harry's? No, that's canon? not a canon. That's a that's the mainstream good one. That's good movies versus this is the canon one. Oh, so these I are see, canon I ones see, here. I see, I see. So you've got uh, Dirty Harry, Cop Who Doesn't Play By The Rules. Right, right, right. Cobra, Cop Who Doesn't Play By The Rules. Serial Killer, Looking For A Serial Killer. Um, Hispanic Psychic, Hispanic Psychic, <laughs> Timeless Classic, Dated Action Movie, <laughs> Spawned Four Successful Sequels, Spawned a Short-Lived Marriage Between Stallone and Bridget Nielsen. Hilarious. <laughs> it's so true. And this one here, this oh, was a God. terrible film. This this was one of uh, Chuck Norris's worst outings. Um, but it was uh, an Indiana Jones um, or uh, – an attempted cash in on the money available for the adventuring treasure hunter. Is, uh, um, so spawned so, one of the most successful movie series of all times. Did pretty good at the box office for a canon movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, man. So uh, Brew Baker, both are stories of cops that are go that go into prison to mm-hmm. find out where the corruption is. Uh, Mysterious Deaths, both original screen, uh, sorry, best original screenplay nomination, uh, martial arts. <laughs> we don't have story or character. We've got. We went for the martial arts instead. <laughs> they go a long way. <laughs> yeah. uh, Splash, one of Tom Hanks's big sort of launch movies, romantic comedy, romantic comedy, up against Mannequin. What the hell? <laughs> this guy uh, takes a mannequin home and it becomes alive or something. It's it's a bit twisted. Um, a mermaid has a lot more sort of <laughs> appeal than a mannequin. Like- yeah, absolutely. And there's some weird-ass shots in that film, like him riding around the city with this real mannequin <laughs> okay. strapped to his back. Um, best original song nominee. Oh. Uh, best original screenplay nomination. <laughs> uh, spawned a horrible sequel that nobody watched. Spawned an equally horrible sequel that nobody watched. <laughs> so these two aren't that far apart, actually. Mm. Now, this is the algorithm. <clears throat> Okay. How to name your movie, courtesy of the Canon Group Marketing Department. So you've got. Okay, awesome. Can you. Just, just, just before we go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about proceduralism, <laughs> right? Now, this has to go into our list of procedural oh, stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I'm so you start intrigued. out. Um, loving uh, this. 
can can the movie's plot easily be guessed from the title? So if we say no, comes down in here. Can can you put American in front of the title? No, then it gets something like Ten to Midnight or Firewalker, and there are other companies out there for you. So that's uh-huh. your career. If you end up here, that's your career path. Uh-huh. Um, We've got the other option here, can you put American, then we've got American Rhapsody, American Soldier, American Ninja, and it keeps going on. Um, if yes is the answer and you can get the, uh, guess the plot from the name, uh-huh. um, then can you put American in front of it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've got American Kickboxer, American Ninja. Um, no, you've got Enter the Ninja and Runaway Train. <laughs> uh, but this one is the big gold standard. Would um, would you like that raise now? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, there's some uh, there's some cool stuff that I found here. There's a lot of rich material because they're so cult um, and iconic in yeah, yeah. in the stuff that they did. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some really cool stuff. Um, so the doco that I was talking about before is this one here. This is Electric Boogaloo. The wild untold story of Canon Films, right? right. This, and and um, I'll let you I'll let you borrow my copy and have a look at that man because it's really cool. Mm. Now, in true tradition of the the uh, the two cousins, they didn't like what this film was saying, so they did their own, which is the Go Go Boys, the inside story of Canon Films. Yeah, right. In true Canon form. Right. Someone okay. else is doing something that sounds like a good idea. No, we'll do it ourselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tell you, we're coming here and we do it ourselves. <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's sort of it's put them to put the both together. Apparently, they're a really good doco because they have lots of file footage and and um, cutting room floor stuff and stuff from growing up and family movies and stuff. Whereas the other this. Electric Boogaloo didn't have that. So if you put all that together, you get a pretty cool picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's absolutely fascinating, the junkets that they used to take to – that's where a lot of these pictures would have been taken to mm-hmm. Khan. They were one of the first big players that would turn up to Khan and just book out a whole um, hotel and then put their big movie blockbuster banners on the side of the hotel, which is what Khan looks like now all mm-hmm. over the place. They, mm-hmm. were, they were sort of their pioneers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fascinating, fascinating story. Um, and the more you look, unfortunately, the more you find. Um, oh, and the other thing about this guy, apparently Jean-Claude Van Damme does a lot of the interviews. This this one, they managed to get quite a lot of the people they worked with, like Stallone, John Voigt, Charles Bronson, to actually give interviews and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the whole way through the film, they keep flashing to Jean-Claude Van Damme, who's poolside, straddling a uh, um, – a, beach chair, okay. banana lounge sort of thing yeah. in this tiniest little pair of bl- light blue <laughs> jogging shorts or something. Yeah, yeah. It's not right, man. It's not right. I, flicked through, I flicked through it on YouTube. <laughs> I thought I'm not sure whether I could watch this. Um, so, yeah, they're the, uh, they're the, the go-go boys or the, uh, the Canon Media Group who, man, that's my childhood there. When you, when you see that list of films and – if you go through IMDb and really take a look at what they've done, um, it's it's some crazy, crazy stuff. This is this is just the producing credits from the guy that's more the the director, and it's just crazy. It's crazy. Now, if you if you 
Um, we've spoken before about um, box office mojo. Yep. And if you put in to box office mojo, I think the way I had to do this because it didn't it didn't come up in a search, but if I went kickboxer. I think it allowed me to get the company. Uh, where was it here? Oh, there it was. Up here, Canon Films. Cool. So we can actually see the uh, the sort of total gross. Click on that. <laughs> That's the bottom end. So the worst <laughs> film uh, in this list made eight thousand seven hundred dollars at the box office. <laughs> <laughs> and the best, $38 million. Now, we're starting to get into some pretty popular films here, though, for the time. You know, de- missing, missing in Action is the Chuck Norris uh, prisoner, prisoner of War film. Breaking, the funny story behind Breaking, because they're exploitation artists, these, these two guys, mm-hmm. right? Breakdancing mm-hmm. hit us in a big way, early 80s, mm-hmm. early to mid-80s, mm-hmm. um, probably about mid-80s. And... They, they wanted to. They were in a race with another production company to be the first to release their breakdancing film. Yeah, and um, and they were the first to to release it, and it was huge. It, it made heaps and heaps of money. It was very successful. They also got into a war later on with Lombarda. The, the, there's a dance. Some oh sort right, of okay. Lombarda dance of love or some shit, yeah, right? Okay. They owned the right to use the word Lombarda. I don't know how they secured that. Mm-hmm. And then the other mob were calling their film the, the Dance of Love or whatever, right? And it was a race. It took them three weeks or something like that to make a film, to make a major – like this was a major release, Yeah, both parties. And they released it on the same day. Wow. What was it, what was it called? Just, it was Breaking versus – It was uh, somewhere in here. Let me – Lombarda. Or maybe save it for a for another time if you can't find it. It would be. I'd, it probably won't be in this list actually, <laughs> but it'll be in here. Uh, I think it's Lum. Yeah, L A. I guess. No. Yeah, Lombarda. Oh, there we go. Um, oh, so it'll be eighties. It could be this one. Oh, there's too many of them there. It's weird. It'll be this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is this one. Because if you go company credits, I think we'll find that it's not there. So that was the one that was up against the. Uh, Breaking one. No, no, there was two Lombarda movies and they were racing to get theirs out first. So what they did is they released them both on the same day Mm -hmm. and devastated each other's figures. (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? Competed with each other. (laughs) There's a finite amount of people that are interested (laughs) in the fucking movie called Lombarda (laughs) as it is and you just cut it in half. (laughs) (laughs) That's bizarre. Yeah, so there's – and that that sort of stuff is in the – in the documentaries. Now, this <laughs> will give you an, 
little indication of the sort of quality we're talking about in these films. Now, wait, wait, Ninja, wait. Why don't we speak like civilised men? So someone penned that. Someone wrote that. Yeah. Now, 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 wait, Ninja, wait. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> you don't say wait to a Ninja, Dan. No, I, now that I think about it. <laughs> now, wait, wait, Ninja, wait. Wait, wait, Ninja. Why don't we speak like civilised men? You are a ninja, a hired assassin. Why don't you come to work for me? A position has become vacant. I'm not for hire. Then what were you doing working for Frank Landers? He was my friend. You. You killed him. And now I'm going to kill you. It's crazy shit uh, like that. <laughs> they can't be taking themselves too seriously if they're going to put that in the movie. Absolutely, this is Enter the Enter the Ninja, uh, the death scene. I think of one of the major characters. Um, I would have watched this as a kid. This yeah, guy, yeah, same this here. guy here is, uh, um, I think, he's an Italian actor. He's got these really blue eyes. Um, here, I'll show you. Um, this guy did a lot of of the early spaghetti westerns. Um, oh, okay. I think I might. Into the Ninja. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I guess I know who you're talking about. So this is really early on in the piece. Um, Franco Nero, very, very famous man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a lot of Super famous. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Um, he might have been the original Django. He was. Yeah. He's yeah. original Django. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just what a what a lineage of um just classic um European cinema and crossover into uh American as well. Some really cool stuff there. But def- I definitely remember him from those early spaghetti westerns. Yeah, same here. He wasn't in a Herbie's Herbie movie, was he? Uh, you never know. Potentially, because I know he did. He did a lot of work. This is the guy. This is the photo here. I remember him the most from when he looked like that. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, it might be him. Um, There was another famous. um, I think he was Italian. Mm. Bud Spencer. Oh, maybe that's who I'm thinking of. He was the big guy. There was t- they, yeah, yeah, they there was, was these films yeah, called yeah, Trinity. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. call me Trinity or something like that. I'll bring mm. it up in a sec. And it was shot so much like those um, those spaghetti westerns yeah, of, yeah. of Eastwood, you yeah. know, Sergio Leone and the um, – Well, why, I don't know, why are they called spaghetti westerns? Well, they were shot <clears throat> by Italians. Yeah, exactly. In Spain yeah, yeah. to look like American westerns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, this guy like here, that, I'm sure. This guy here. Um he yeah, was a yeah. big, big unit. This yeah. is this is closer to what he looked like. <laughs> he was he would go in. He was the bruta, bruta yeah. um, in in Italian, and he would go in and just yeah, yeah hit yeah. people on top of the head and <laughs> yeah, knock them out. Yeah. Uh, whereas the other guy was super um, athletic. No, it's Terence Hill. So Bud Spencer and Terence uh, Hill they yeah, had yeah, yeah, they yeah. had a series of movies. 
of different genres. Like one would be a western, and one would mm. be a um, a cop thing. In you know they would they would yeah. borrow from from the American themes, but they were shot in Italy. Sure I think it was Italy. And sure, you ended up with dubbed versions that had turned up in the shelves. Mm. They used to shoot a lot in Miami. Yeah, yeah, they were all all dubbed. I yeah, yeah, terribly, dubbed. yeah, badly. really, really dubbed. Yeah, yeah, but really entertaining. Yeah, because this guy was really ac- acrobatic and mm. could do some really wild stuff. And this guy was just a brute. Yeah, yeah. The, the, every movie had a scene with him hitting someone on top of the head, but also. Holding back 20, 20 30 <laughs> yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. you know, and always walk away. Classic. Um, but yeah, I thought that was him. It's not him. So, and that was it. I, I was going to tail around to this. Um, but while I've got this up, let me just show you one thing. Um, you can search, where is it? Where is it? Down here, people. And we can go with directors. And then we can have a look. But who's making all the bucks? Here you go, mate. That is the top ten. Earning directors. Yeah. Whole bunch of usual suspects. Yeah. These are millions. Yep. So that'd be four point three billion. Yeah. Pretty impressive. And they and this is their number one picture mm. out of their out of their out of their uh, stable of mm. of films, but yeah, it's always interesting to look at the numbers, and um, and this must be scoring here. So yeah, I'm not sure number of movies at average. Yeah, I'm not sure what this column is left. I'll look into that. But yeah, I just came across about that the other day, and so there's heaps of stuff that we can have a look at: producers, screenwriters, cinematographers. Um, and it's a great way to just bring everything into some sort of comparable mm. um, state because mm. I've got a feeling we might be able to even do work some magic over at IMDb, IMDb with this as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. So awesome. I think that's probably it for us today. If you would like to uh, let people know how and where they can get hold of our Mindomo, um, th- there'll be – we tend to put those in the show notes, yeah. Yeah, so that'll all be in the um, comment in the um, in the little doobly doo underneath the the window there, and you can click on that, and then you can navigate your way through the Mindomo thing, which will take you to all of those sites that we visited. Mm-hmm. Any call to action? Would you like to uh, give some homework? Ah, uh, um, can't think of any at the moment. What were you? I've got one. Okay. Um. I want to find the most most cult movie of the eighties that we can find <laughs> of any genre. Yeah, the, yeah, I like that idea. The the classic. Yeah. The most classic epitome. Yeah. Of the eighties. The the something that probably have to have a genre. Maybe a comedy. Yeah. Maybe let's a let's go with the genre or something or other. Let's go with sci-fi. Yeah, okay, sci-fi. So the best cult sci-fi from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Should we disqualify Star Wars? Well, I think we've got a B theme going on here. So I think 80s is talking to me about – it's speaking to me in terms of B, not A. Yeah, yeah you're right. And also cult <laughs> is more is more not mainstream. <clears throat> yeah, not too um, sure. Star Wars is only an exception in that area, I would say. Mm. Yes. All right, that sounds like a deal. Yep, beautiful. Cool, cool. Well, 
Awesome. Well, that's it for us. Until next time. Bye for now. See ya.